President Trump is the leader who will rebuild the promise of America and ensure that every citizen can realize their American dream. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. <laughs> All right, uh, welcome back. Episode 23, Dilettante Central Podcast. We're a couple of guys with no credentials uh, who like to talk shit. Um, let's get this bread. How's it going? Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, like, so much has happened just even since we last talked, which isn't in the grand scheme that long ago. And especially, the, there used to be a time where during the summer, the months of summer, there was basically no news. Right, right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's just, a like, yeah, no, we we should be talking about like this is a presidential election year so it, it there would be more news than most summers but like people should be worried about frivolous things like 2 years ago like everybody was talking about like Beyonce's fucking tour yeah 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 right now you yeah. know what i mean like people were talking about you know whatever like it, it's just you know people are talking about sports you know football season starting bat- baseball season in the middle of it, you know, did somebody, you know, in the NBA go to another team? What were the best movies of the summer? What's the big song? The what's the big song thing seems to have stayed consistent, but that's only because Cardi B is fucking buck wild. But oh, wet, wet ass p word. Oh, uh, yes, man. <laughs> the greatest thing that song ever did was just show, you know, just expose. What a what a what an actual idiot Ben Shapiro is. Well, he's not really an idiot. He's I mean he his oh, career started as like a professional virgin. So I mean it's not really no, surprising no, what he No no no. But his defenses, like his inability to just shut up about it and and and, and let it fucking pass, he keeps cell phoning every day. Well, I and mean, it exposes yeah. but it, it it exposes in a very comedic way like the fallacious way his fucking like he he is one giant his like ability to process information is is just one fallacy after another one false equivalency after another like and his inability to kind of just like he can't you know just speed talk his way through it it's almost so, as if he doesn't actually have any coherent beliefs or philosophy. He just like uh, exactly pro- processes everything through like this turbocharger of of conservative bromides. Yeah, and that's it. <laughs> he, he has no. That's exactly, that's exactly it. He he has he has a worldview and things he likes, and he will speed talk his way in defense of all of those things, whether it makes sense or not. 
but you can't speed talk your way through this. You certainly can't speed tweet your way through this, <laughs> which is where all the real gold is coming through. <laughs> you know, like the, the defense of like, well, my mom or my my mom. Wow. Mother, he's not quite at that level yet. He's not that's, quite, uh, yeah. Th- th- that's that Mike Pence territory. That was my Freudian <laughs> slip about his sex life. Uh, <laughs> but he can't, you know, he's like talking about, well, my wife's a doctor and, you know, um, she says this is normal. It's like, Doug, that just means she doesn't want to hurt your feelings. <laughs> and, uh, and then he just keeps self on. And then at one point he's like, I get that this is funny, but blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no. No, just shut the fuck up. You can't talk your way out of this one, you stupid asshole. Because the one thing everybody understands is a fucking guy who's lame in bed. But especially since, like, in this case, and just for the listeners who might not be uh, hip enough to know what we're talking about. Whap, whap, whap. <laughs> basically, Ben Shapiro claims that uh, women who get sexually aroused actually have some kind of medical condition. <laughs> That should be treated by doctors. Apparently, he has never heard in his life of a wet pussy before. <laughs> much less a uh, wet ass pussy. And much less a wet ass pussy. Um, but also in this case, like he can't uh, just do his favorite trick of bringing up like FBI statistics on black crime or some shit like that and completely if there are misrepresenting a way to connect them. Those two, he would. Right? <laughs> if there are a way he could connect those two, he would. Yeah. Anyway, um, Ben Shapiro is a fucking clown, whatever. He's an asshole. Yeah. Um, but back to just like, yeah, just the onslaught of uh, news items. The last time we talked was right before the DNC. Right before, yeah. We have to talk about the DNC and the RNC. Right. <laughs> Both great and displays then, of completely normal uh, political discourse. In the midst of all of this, like dur- during the RNC, a man in Kenosha, Wisconsin, uh, a black man uh, by the name of Jacob Blake Jr. was shot seven times in the back by the police in front of his three children in his car. Thankfully, he survived, but he's paralyzed for, uh, from the waist down for the rest of his life. Um, handcuffed in bed. In handcuffed in his bed. But what I, the reason why I was, I was shifting back to the George Floyd thing, because like this moment, right? <sighs> You know, it, it we had hit a lull and the, the horrible fact that nobody was talking about, but everybody was probably who actually everybody who actually cares about this since the George Floyd thing kind of like galvanized everything. And mind you, since George Floyd happened and we George Floyd happened three months after Breonna Taylor happened. Mm-hmm. And so the George Floyd thing brought the Breonna Taylor uh, thing to light. And it's been three months since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's uh, murderers are still are, are free to walk the earth. They have not been charged. Yep. Um, and, I, and, and we're going to get back to her and that because the attorney general of Kentucky, who is a black man, has not charged those officers or done an investigation so that the local uh, district attorney uh, can can bring charges. So justice for Breonna Taylor. But that whole moment, like that movement where Black Lives Matter really kind of just took the attention of the of, of the country and the world, you know, it had hit a lull. Like people and but the thing is the terrifying truth that nobody was talking about but everybody was holding their breath on was that 
this is fucking America. The cops are still the cops who have have just represent all that's like corrupt. When it comes to mat- matters on race, you know, they're just a corrupt mm-hmm. institution and, and part of society mm-hmm. that this was going to happen again. You know what I mean? Like nothing, like even if people, the way people who are outside of law enforcement have been talking about change and trying to actually change things, this is still going to happen. There's going to be another case that where, and, and like, I know the cops have killed plenty of people between George Floyd and Jacob Blake, but this was, this is one of those ones that's caught on video, right? Um, right, right. And, and this one is and kind also, of gained national prominence. Well, and, and this one is just also so wildly egregious. You know what I mean? Like just the, the the circumstances by which you're shooting someone seven times at point blank range in their back, and like just to shut down anybody who's like, well, there was a physical altercation between them and the cop. Oh, they thought they had a knife. I'm sorry, seven times point blank in the back is excessive by any decent re- fuck decent reasonable calculation of any situation and here's the here's the other part and, and and the reason why i say it is that in the aftermath of the, of this there was a uh a 17 year old white supremacist uh crossed the state lines from illinois but this young man this, this fuck young man this fucking 17 year old terrorist Gun enthusiast, white supremacist, asshole, fuckface, goes to the protests with a machine gun. Mind you, he's 17. It is illegal. I don't care if the gun was bought legally by his parents. It is illegal for a 17-year-old to own or possess a fucking assault weapon. There's no place in the fucking country where a 17-year-old is allowed to own an assault weapon. So don't talk to me about responsible gun ownership. He comes from a family of nutjobs. The truth is, he's tra- uh, uh, he, go- he goes to Kenosha and he uh, shoots a protester. He is then spotted by the crowd who then says, stop that guy. Get that fuck. And they, they start to close in on him. He then shoots another person, crippling them, shoot, sh- shot him in the arm. And then another person who... He shot in the chest. Mind you, this 17-year-old, and this is not a compliment, knew what he was doing as far as like how to shoot. Mm-hmm. This is a part, a, a part of the problem of the culture with these like these fucking cosplaying uh like 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 militia fucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You shouldn't be this shouldn't be popularized. It certainly shouldn't be accessible to fucking kids. Right. Um, and then he gets to walk away and then, uh, uh, some reports say that the cops, uh, uh, like high fived him and said that, you know, he did a good job and he's with them. They let this kid with a machine gun with reports of three fucking gunshot wounds from the exact area where he was coming from. They let him walk by with his hands up. He couldn't even put the rifle down, keep his hands up and walk cause it was slung to his chest. Mm-hmm. So, you juxtapose that with someone with a knife getting shot seven times, allegedly with a knife, seven times in the back, point blank, 
in front of their three minor children. But it's not like the dude was threatening them with a knife, uh, which also... He was no trying to leave. He was trying to leave after an altercation. Well, you they know found what you the knife do? in the car. Right. He didn't even have it on him. Right. I think when they first... The, one of the first things the cops do when they, when they confront you is like, do you have any weapons? And he was, he was probably just trying to comply and say, there's a knife in my, in my glove box or whatever. Yeah, right. So what? <laughs> exactly. No, that's exactly my point. But here's it's the also thing. not illegal to have a fucking knife in your glove box. No. I'm sure that in my lifetime, events conspired that I had a knife once in my car with me. <laughs> yeah, and what, does, and what does knife mean? I, like, I have a pocket knife right. whenever exactly. I work uh, with my hands. Um, yeah, it's absurd. So, but they shot him seven times in the back. Like, but here's the thing that kills me about it is you've got this kid with no identifying things other than the fact that he has a gun. He gets to walk through after their reports, they're going to investigate reports of three gunshot wounds from where he's walking from. And they didn't shoot anybody yet, yet because they weren't there. So it's clearly, he's the only guy walking from there with a fucking gun. He's clearly, uh, there's, he shot somebody at point blank range. There is blood spatter on him. Yeah. He's walking by. This dude's getting into a car with three kids. You, you already got the tags on your fucking car, on your fucking car dash video from your car. If he's really that big of a threat, let him drive off and then just fucking trace him down. Like he's posing no imminent threat. At all. Yeah. Beyond all that. They got caught up because, I don't know, maybe they had him down on the ground and he was able to muscle his way out. Their, e their egos were bruised. You know? no, There is no crime. Literally, there is no crime that's worth taking a, a person's life. Particularly with deadly force. Other than, literally, someone is about to shoot someone else. You know what I mean? Like the only use of deadly well, force. Well, yeah, I mean the, the Hollywood scenario that all of these right-wing fucks always dream about, right? Oh, when whenever anybody's actually shot a, a person without a gun, like any, when when one perpetrator has a gun and a and a victim doesn't have a gun, um, which is the scenario that the cops are supposed to shoot people, like this seventeen-year-old, the cops should have wasted him. The God's honest truth, if if you follow their logic that they apply to black people, black and brown people, yeah. <laughs> the cops should have blown that kid into yeah. a red mist. Yeah. They should have used that tank to fucking destroy this kid, to, 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 to spread the DNA all over, the, into fucking Lake Michigan from there. Mm -hmm. if, you, if, their, if their logic was real. The truth is, everybody talks about the fucking uh, Second Amendment we need to worry about the fucking Fourth Amendment, man. It's fucking equal protection under the law. All right? And this is the fucking perfect example of why that shit ain't fucking real in this country. Well, I mean, there's not even a pretense anymore when Pat Lynch, you know, goes on national TV to and endorses a endorse uh, Donald Trump explicitly saying that, like, if Trump gets doesn't get elected... There's going to be mayhem in the street. Basically. There's mayhem in the street because <laughs> Trump got elected and he elevates people like you, you fucking scumbag Pat Lynch. But OK. So do you want to just rewind back to the DNC real quick? Um, 
and then do the RNC and then. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's. Do you want me to give you my my two quick blurbs of how I uh, I, I didn't see all four nights of both. I, I think I thought I saw three nights of the DNC and two and a half of the RNC. I think I saw two nights of the DNC. And I didn't watch any nights of the RNC. I just kind of watched the highlights, uh, you know, here and there and reactions. To me, the DNC was kind of like, it was a Democratic Party being like, hey, America, uh, we are now the Republican Party of the 80s. Please vote for us. <laughs> you know, and and the RNC to me uh, was, you remember when uh, Kanye West went to the TMZ offices and like screamed at them that slavery was a choice and like black people need to get off the Democratic Party plantation? <laughs> That's what the RNC was. At least the first three nights, it was like just a parade of black and people and Latinos just being mm -hmm. like, hey, the Republican Party is super diverse and don't listen to the Democrats. They don't do anything for black people. Vote Donald Trump. <laughs> man, oh man, you set up, you set up my my editorial early here um well okay uh, yeah. i'm sorry about that let's uh let's rewind to the dnc then. yeah because the, the dnc you know what it really reminded me of beyond the fact that they're running the same playbook they did four years ago where they lost and they're doing it even more hardcore now i feel like which is infuriating in many ways that we have discussed <laughs> ad nauseum on this podcast yeah. already. <laughs> so um, let, let me take a, a little bit of a different approach to describing what the DNC felt like for me. Okay. Um, which is maybe less less political a little bit. Okay. It reminded me of the Don DeLillo novel White Noise. Okay. <laughs> not, not so mm -hmm. much in content, but just the feel of it. Hold on one second. The fucking ice cream man is outside my window. He's blaring it. You're a few floors up. That's fucking crazy. And it's it's not even the new RZA song either. Yeah. You, you know that RZA remade the uh, ice cream truck, truck song, song because it's apparently a, a race. It has like racist roots. Uh, so they had RZA remake it. <sighs> I, wow. I've heard like uh, buddies from uh, New York tell me that they, in New York, at least, they're they're playing the new RZA jingle. Well, if not, they're where? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So it has not made its. But he lives in L.A. though, so you would think that uh, in L.A. Dude, as well. Have you seen the ice cream trucks in L.A.? They're all busted. <laughs> they're, they're even worse than New York, it's, which is they, crazy, they're run but, down. Like yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't. Buy, I've never bought a fuck from an ice cream truck on the West Coast. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> All right. That's the only way. Like, how the fuck, Houseway, how the fuck are ice cream trucks in a place where it don't rain or snow look better or look worse, worse than, than New York. any truck yeah. in the East Coast? On uh, Get the fuck out of here. No. I know. It's crazy. Don't make no sense. That's actually uh, my buddy Dan from New York. The first time he saw an ice cream truck here was like, oh, shit, that thing is fucking busted. Yeah. Yo, <laughs> mad hood. Like, yo, the, the fucking ice cream trucks in Southern California don't make no sense. Yeah. yeah like, you could find a car from 1965 in perfect condition. Right, out exactly. Here. Yeah. You'll never find any condition of a, a car from 1965 on the East Coast that isn't owned by a rich dude and kept in a glass case. Yeah, yeah. And yet... The ice cream trucks out here are fucked up. <laughs> I wouldn't buy shit from an ice cream truck out here. <laughs> All right. They, they moved on. Let's... They moved on. Yeah. 
vibe switch a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, uh, the, the DNC to me uh, sold kind of this deep mournfulness, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and kind of Biden as this mourner in chief uh, who not only like empathizes with people who are struggling right now, but you know he has like direct knowledge of pain and loss because of his personal history, right? Um, and and he and he sells this idea as a candidate that that we'll make it through together and we'll come come out on the other side. Um, but there's this profound sadness on display at the, at the DNC: sadness for the victims of COVID, uh, sadness, just this generalized uh, sense of kind of an innocence lost, you know, a paradise lost. Things didn't need to be this bad. You know, um, also the, this whole thing with George Floyd as well. That's just like this dread you can feel in the air, you know, mixed with like melancholy and foreboding a little bit. Um, yeah. And, and it was kind of like, you know, we hear your pain. We see your pain. You know, everyone was saying that we, we feel your pain. You see your pain. We acknowledge your pain because the Republicans and Donald Trump don't do that. You know, right. that, that, that was kind of the message. Well, I, I think I know where you're going with it, but I, I would just say that that's actually his best play because it's genuine uh you know what i mean and he, you know what i don't disagree it, actually it's it's genuine and it and it whatever you think of him like whatever policies like it's the thing that negates his um his very long history in washington like whatever problems you have with the joe biden from the 70s or 80s or 90s right yeah um what the this kind of is a good way to uh for them to frame, well, this is also a guy who evolves, and he evolves because he's able to tap into that. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if that, but, no, but no, go where are you going to go with it? Yeah, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, it's the thing that makes him relatable, as opposed to Donald Trump, who has never interacted normally with a human being at all. You know, right? Like he looks, he reminds me of there was a skit on the old Colbert show where he brought on this character who was supposed to be like the German ambassador to the UN or something like that. And there was yeah. a skit where uh, Colbert put like um, a chocolate uh, muffin on the desk, on his mm-hmm. desk. And he brought the German <laughs> ambassador character in and the dude sits down and, and he looks like he has like this disgusting suit and he's like this old guy, this old like withered guy. And he looks at this, a muffin as if it was like a foreign object and he's like what is the purpose of this item (laughs) (laughs) that's kind of like how trump looks at just like normal people (laughs) they're just like these foreign objects that he has Uh absolutely no idea how to interact with yeah um yeah and 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 yeah and i agree that like biden you know i'm as you know no fan of him uh, nor his policies but at the very least he can like connect with someone and there is this very real sense of empathy because he does have this history of just like going through the worst pain that you could imagine probably or like personal loss at least yeah yeah i mean yeah no i i i have consistently said that was his best trait yeah like from the beginning of our talks of this not, uh, on this podcast. Not sure if you can win an election with just that, but we shall that's, see. Well, that's the question. That's the question. <laughs> yeah. That's the yeah. real question. Yeah. Um, I, like you know, I- in terms of like policy decisions, and like you have a long career there, like there's a lot to argue with. Um, um, but he's been able to stay in the game and stay important because he's been 
you know, at the very least, nobody questions the idea that he's, if you can get through to him, and the best way to get through to him is talking about how something can hurt you yeah. or or has hurt you. Uh, he's quick to to uh, to embrace change or or to try to find a way to help. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I mean, and the DNC so, really put that front and center, which was in a way smart, but also in a way infuriating to me. But anyway. Um, <laughs> well, no. I mean, it could be infuriating because the problem is. It can be infuriating because it doesn't have the 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 thrust behind it. But politically, that what are you going to do? You know, that's uh, well, no, that's, what, what, I, that's what I'm saying. Right. It doesn't have the thrust. Yeah. It doesn't have a uh, it doesn't have a destination. Yeah. It, like, that's, well, that is exactly the feeling of of the DNC was just like the good libs coming together, you know, and like kind of staring at a catastrophe uh, that makes them like uncomfortable. And and a little right. scared and unsettled and sad, you know. But like, yeah, I, it, it doesn't have the destination yep. that something that like Bernie's yep. uh, vision um, has, and, right? And, and the reason why, and, and the but the the problem with uh, Bernie, who also, I mean, he didn't have the um, I, very few people have had the 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 personal traumas uh, that that Joe Biden, yeah. Had. Losing, losing his first wife and daughter. His sons were in the hospital in a car accident. And then having one uh, be an addict, the other dying of cancer, young, leaving a family behind. So he, he had to bury children 35 years apart. But Bernie, you know, Bernie's parents um, lost all of their family members in the Holocaust. Yep. You know, Bernie, Bernie Sanders doesn't have cousins, uncles, uh, aunts, grandparents, he never had any of them. You know what I but mean. But also, uh, um, don't forget that uh, Bernie Sanders and grew up is... in the poor. No, he grew up poor in the in the depression. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. A bunch of things that are um, things to overcome. Yeah. And, and the reason why I'm bringing it up is that so he can't connect with people that way. But what he's very good at is saying, "Okay, we've gone through some shit. These are the fucking conditions, and this is what we need to do to make the conditions better." Mm -hmm. There's a de there's a, de a destination there, and unfortunately, even though I mean he's he's I mean he's fucking. This is the book of Moses in terms of American political uh, movements. Like Bernie has done more to get more people to care about poor people mm -hmm. on a national scale than than anybody in a long time. Like people, people uh, like the truth is. Martin Luther King had the poor person's camp, poor people's campaign, and that was where he was going, and that's why they killed him as much as anything else. But that was always no one could ever separate the fact, you know, that that Martin Luther King's movement was always and originally tied to to equality for for um, for black people in this country, and rightly so. But like. You know, it, it's amazing. They didn't bother to kill him there. But when he talked about, you know, making poor people everywhere better off, yeah, yeah. that was the final straw. Mm -hmm. Bernie kind of picked up from there and, and kind of did this Herculean effort in the last four five. You know, Bernie used to be the congressman that Bill Maher would have on 
20 years ago on fucking uh, Politically Incorrect. Mm-hmm. Just like, isn't there this cute, like, independent, like, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, socialist, you know, congressman? And he would have him on even up until through re- the real time era, up until about 2014, 20, you know, by the time, like, when Bernie got into the Senate and all of that. But, like, he was like, oh, here's this fringe guy with good ideas, but we don't have to take him super serious. But the things he was saying kind of caught on finally. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, things like that don't catch on. So it's things are bad enough everywhere for people to. <laughs> um, but there's a destination there. There's not a destination with the the DNC with what the DNC put out. Um, well, that's, well, what you describe is is exactly perfectly what the novel White Noise also describes. It's. Um, it's really, I mean, it's really a novel about coming to terms with, with your own mortality, but it's like on the plot level, it's like this family of libs. Well, there is like a catastrophic environmental disaster that happens, which a novel calls the airborne toxic event. And Oh, you mean what we're living through right now? Gotcha. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and the protagonists we follow in the book are like a well-educated libs. You know, the narrator himself is a, is a mm-hmm. professor. Um, yes. And they have to evacuate and flee, right? And then in the end, they come back to their town and they try to go about their normal life again, except that now they're like men in hazmat suits everywhere, you know, that like measure toxicity levels and shit. And as much as they try to go back to like normal normalcy, um, <laughs> there's always these little things that remind them of this catastrophe they went through and that things will never be the same. Right, <laughs> and there is kind of like what we're going through right, right now. Right, 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 and 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 throughout the book, there's this very explicitly described atmosphere of being like unsettled because of this supernatural event that can harm you in like unseen ways. You know, right, like right. an ability to to really comprehend what's going on too, um, but right. instinctively knowing that something has fundamentally changed and that things will never be the same again. And it's this feeling, the sadness you know, of losing the innocence of the life before and not even of an idealized life that you had before, but just a life where you had the luxury of not knowing about, like, you know, call it airborne toxic event, call it coronavirus, call it the the Trump presidency, Mm -hmm. you know? Right. And sadness is probably not even the right word. It's more of like a, like a generalized, like anguish that's like a low frequency generalized anguish that you feel all day every day as as a good-hearted right. lib you know <laughs> yeah no like just a, even not even yeah not even just as a lib just as a like a feeling like a feeling human being. Yeah, right exactly it, it's it's also kind of symbolized now that uh, i don't know if you've seen them yet but there's like this new biden ad where it's just like a bunch of empty stadiums you know and, and they're playing on this, mm-hmm. on this on on this feeling of we should have sports right now it's not coming yeah. back. We feel we all feel sad. And let me just like uh, uh, read one paragraph of this of from the book. Um, it's from the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. And it, I mean, this book is fucking decades old now, so whatever. Um, right. But basically, uh, what happens once they come back to the the town because of like the environmental fallout uh, of this airborne toxic event, the um, sun uh, sets are like crazy. So they they like set up and, and watch the sunsets. And um, here, here is how uh, he describes the mood uh, at the end. The spirit of these warm evenings is hard to describe. 
There is anticipation in the air, but it is not the expectant midsummer hum of a shirt-sleeve crowd, a sandlot game with coherent precedence, a history of secure response. This waiting is introverted, uneven, almost backward and shy, tending toward silence. What else do we feel? Certainly there is awe. It is all all awe. I cannot say it with my accent. <laughs> it, tr- <laughs> it is all awe. It transcends previous categories of awe, but we don't know whether uh, we are watching in wonder or dread. We don't know what we are watching or what it means. We don't know whether it is permanent, a level of experience to which we will g- gradually adjust, into which our uncertainty will eventually be absorbed, or just some atmospheric weirdness soon to pass. <laughs> You know, it's like it's that's exactly the feeling that I got watching the DNC of these people trying to make sense of what is going on right now in the country, but not really being able to put their finger on like policy prescriptions of how we get out of this. It's like, what do we feel? What is going on? Um, There's at one point um, in the middle of this of this airborne toxic event. One character makes like this this long soliloquy, and he uh, he exclaims at one point. He says, "Look at us in this place. We are quarantined. We are like lepers in medieval times. They won't let us out of here. They leave food at the f- foot of the stairs and tiptoe away to safety. This is the most terrifying times of our life. Everything we love and have worked for is under serious threat. But we look around and see no response from the official organs of the media. The airborne toxic event is ho- is a horrifying thing. Our fear is enormous. Even if there hasn't been a great loss of life, don't we deserve uh, some attention for our suffering, our human worry, our terror? Isn't fear news? <laughs> you know, that was the DNC, man. <laughs> well, I mean, you just... You know? Described, you just <laughs> literally described my circumstances two weeks ago. Right, uh, right. Like people were delivering food to my door, yeah. and and fresh linens, and what what, yeah. we, what we can say uh, is you you are in the bubble. Uh, I am in. A you bubble. are in a bubble. We won't say anything more about it. But you For are a in, job, a bu- in an yes. undisclosed state. Yeah. In an undisclosed state. Um, and yeah, so it, it's very real. Like I, I. I literally had someone just text me like, are you at least able to do so-and-so or such and mm-hmm. such? And I was like, no, they have us completely cut off yep. to do this job. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, um, I go to work and I, and I hang out in this room. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, I order my meals like tonight after we do this. I will be uh, online on my Google Doc form for ordering my meals for the next week, and I have to go through all the options. That's a real thing. It's very institutionalized. What's well, the only way to uh, safely, um, yep. as possible, um, push forward? Yep. It's going to be more normal, actually. Um, Definitely, but it's it's at least for the next year and a half, yep. if nothing else, and and forever if this vaccine just suppresses and boosts against, suppresses the virus and boosts you against it but doesn't cure it my job this week uh, announced that we will never go back to the office <laughs> like they're just doing away completely with the idea of having an office where everyone goes to right if you want they can set up something for you um, and maybe you know there's like certain meetings or whatever that you have to go in but like this idea that the entire company will just go back to the office every day. That's gone. That's it. Right. We're never going back. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's 
do you know what I mean though? Like this feeling I got from the DNC, it's like this exact thing that's like in in the book, this like helplessness at this supernatural event almost. And at the same time, not knowing how to respond to it and also being angry and also wanting to be comforted in a way, you know, it, it was a very strange thing for me. I felt it wasn't really a political uh, convention as much as a, just like a struggle session, <laughs> you know, yeah. um, which of course, me, of course means that there was zero policy almost like, you know, how, how do we overcome this national sor sorrow that we're currently feeling? I It's just, it was all just like, we have this fundamentally decent guy, Joe, and he hears your pain, he feels your pain, uh, he's not going to give you Medicare for all, uh, or something like okay. that, It's all, but he's a decent man, you know, and he understands well, what you're going I'll through. Say, I'll say that, I'll say this, I'm actually okay with it uh, because the truth is there is no, we've hit such a critical mass with the Trump administration that the only policy that matters is getting rid of him. And I don't, I'm not saying that lightly. I'm not yeah, saying no, that, but, but, like, yes. I, I, no, like yeah. it, it's, that is the number one policy issue platform, what have you. And the truth is they did, unlike the Republicans, did publish a fucking platform. A platform yes. uh, you know, but, but it, did, it did not figure, even, it did not figure at all in the, uh, during the convention though, basically. I mean, the only person who talked no, about policy no. was Bernie once again. Well, I mean, but, well, that's his thing. But the truth is, is that this is about getting rid of Donald Trump at this point. Like, uh, I am just not convinced. No other I am just not convinced that you know, whispering in the ear of the libs and the the willing ear of like some kind of well, moderate it's, Republican it's not, that things will be okay is the, the way to go. There, it's it's not about the libs or the moderate Republicans. the The moderate Republicans have been given the libs are the libs that they, they're gonna they're gonna vote. Uh, the the issue that we we have two problems with this with this met without having substantive stuff here and the and the two problems are this uh, the relationship with our most consistent uh democratic uh voting block uh, uh which is the african american community uh they things have been so bad for them for so long that they're almost like and and I'm not speaking for them as a monolith Uh, but I'm just saying the general impression is like, you can't blame anybody from that community that goes at any point. Well, what the fuck have you ever actually done for us anyway? You can't, you can't push back against that. And so, and if you suppress or, or if anything happens that doesn't engage them at a hundred, you know, at close to a hundred percent, uh, participation hurts, uh, democratic, uh, um, you know, candidates, it just does like we lean Uh, the Democrats lean so hard on that community and, and and they rightly should be getting more out of the Democrats when they're in power because of it. Oh, 100%. Um, so, so we have that. And then the, the other issue is um, independence, independent white people, independent college educated white people, independent or people that identify as uh, independents uh, who are white, who don't have uh, college education. Either way, you know, just independent white voter really have to like. And so the play to them is you've seen enough, whether you sat it out or you vote third party or you actually voted for Trump after voting for Obama. Here, this is what you got. You you wanted to see how it would play out and you were interested in going on. It's fucking worse. 
and get the fuck on board is that is what this message is about. I don't know that it's the right one, uh, but I but I also don't know how you incentivize somebody who's a fucking who voted for Barack Obama and Donald Trump or voted for Barack Obama and was okay with seeing how a Trump presidency plays out other than to say, I don't know how to teach you empathy. Like if you, at this point, if you don't like, I don't know how to teach you how to care about other people. Like if at this point you're an independent and you don't see the difference, if you're one of those people I just talked about, I don't know. I don't know what to do with you. My um, thing is like, to me, I mean, am I, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. But um, I, I don't know. I just feel like the, especially this crisis right now with the coronavirus, it just so it makes makes it so explicit for everyone in terms that everyone can understand because almost everyone is affected in some way by this. And also, we should say, by the way, that almost no one watches these conventions or even knows they're happening. They're basically just for nerds like us. <laughs> but, but it still gives you a good idea of you know what what they will run on. And and to me, this is the perfect opportunity to just very concretely explain to people what the dynamics at play are in this crisis, where they come from, and what the democratic policies will be that will make it better. Because it is unlike what the Republicans kept repeating during the, um, during the RNC that China, you know, we had the greatest uh, economy ever in the world, you know, until China unleashed the, the virus, it's their fault. That's not the case. I mean, it, 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 Trump could have, alleviated a lot of the economic and personal pain that is being felt in the country right now. It is by choice that, I mean, certainly even if you would have done everything right, uh, some people, a lot of people would have lost their job and th there would have been some kind of economic fallout for this. But the economic calamity that the country finds itself in now is largely by choice, whether people want to hear it or not, because there are policy prescriptions against it. It's just that Donald Trump and the entire Republican uh, policy apparatus has decided against it. And if you just frame it that way and you can show to people, listen, these are the choices they made. This is why things are the way they are. Here are the things that we would do differently, concretely. I think that is a pretty powerful message right now. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's always the case, but right now is a unique opportunity, I think, to do this. So, so what you have to do there, and, and, and I agree with you. And it was something that they actually talked about that just has gone out of the way. Like when people were pressing uh, him earlier in the uh, in the during the pandemic, is he loves to talk about his uh, his powers from Article Two, specifically as Commander in Chief, because like that's where executive orders really root themselves in, and and all of that stuff comes from his ability to declare martial law is in charge of the military, all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. And, and it's the defense production act. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Which comes directly from his powers as commander in chief. Yeah. He could have forced every manufacturer to make everything we needed in no time using that power. You know who used it? Uh, the best FDR mm -hmm. world war two. You know, uh, most of the Pacific fleet was 
uh, destroyed in Pearl Harbor. The Brooklyn Navy Yard, all the Navy Yards were were pumping out fucking warships like one a week, two a week. They were building tanks and cars or whatever. All we're asking these fucking people to do now are make respirators and masks for everybody. Yeah. And he, he, like, and so you're right. Like, um, but I mean, they. What's funny is that they did say that stuff. They just they're not harping on it, and it's a weak it's a weak point. Uh, it's a weakness that they're not exploiting enough. They're just kind of stating it as matter of factly, like I'm going to go in and I'm going to force these companies to do things to help out. But at that point, by the time Joe Biden, if he were to win, could do that, he couldn't sign it till January 21st, which would be uh, essentially a month shy of when COVID hit uh, the United States. And um, six weeks shy of when of of uh, a year when uh, when everything went into lockdown. Yeah. No, the the craziest thing about this whole this whole thing is that um, it didn't get exacerbated until a week after Super Tuesday, at which point the die was already cast on who the Democratic nominee was going to be. Yeah. It's amazing how it crystallized the week before, like the the. The Democratic nomination kind of all came in, came in that way a week before this all kind of happened. We'd be having a very different conversation right now. If COVID had hit, you know, a month earlier, like the way it hit in March, like the. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'd be we'd be having a very different conversation right now. Well, Um, we have to. uh, All right. So we we have to make do with what we have. Yeah. So, I guess we'll move on to the RNC. Uh, yeah, you want to talk about uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle and and all? Well, the- I want to. I don't want to. I don't. She's a symptom, not the <laughs> actual. Uh, but yes, she's the definitely. Uh, I was I was definitely struck. I think I saw more than than you. It, it was first of all boring, for, and also one thing we should say is that one positive thing we should say about the DNC, and I'm sure that you, especially as a professional, appreciated the production value of it because it was at, at least as far as a just technically speaking as a tele, television production, it was basically flawless. Yeah, especially because it was unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the the director slash technical director did it from home. Yep. The guy, yep. the, the multi Emmy winning yep. uh, technical director um, of uh, Oscar. He's done the Oscars. He's done the Emmys. He's done all of the award shows. Extremely well produced. Extremely well directed. It was, uh, it was actually almost sometimes interesting to watch, you know, just like as a, mm-hmm. as an entertainment professional, I guess, quote unquote. <laughs> um, no, Absolutely. Yeah. RNC dog shit. Uh, production value is absolute trash. Uh, they just had like one auditorium where they trotted out speakers and then in between they well, had like these disgusting, basically just campaign ads. Mm-hmm. And that was it um, until the last day, really. Where they violated uh, the Hatch Act <laughs> several million times over. <laughs> yeah. It was just, um, as usual. It was literally one gigantic. Criminal uh, enterprise, uh, if you. <laughs> like, no, somebody was like, somebody had the nerve to be like, Joe Biden can talk from his house, but Trump can't. And it's like, it's not his house. It's our house. Yeah. He lives there. 
All right. And the rules say he can't do this from there. I mean, you know, at like, this it's po- not a rule. It's the law. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, the law breaking is kind of the point at this at this point. No, no, so. absolutely. No. Well, it's the normalizing of the law breaking. It's saying yeah. well, this is a stupid law or this isn't a law that, oh, who's it really hurting? You know, you know what it's hurting? The rule of law. Right. Right. Well, which is the point? <laughs> which is the point? No, I know. And, I know. But the, but all the rubes. Yeah. Whatever, yeah. 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 With yeah. them now, like you could literally if you're with Trump now, you can justify anything. Mm-hmm. Yep. You can justify anything. I mean, and he didn't start it, but he's he's the one who. Who owned it and embraced it and made it. You know, that's that's his ethos mm-hmm. is, yep. you know, the only things that matter are the things that I say. But also there were almost no masks. Uh, no, on purpose. On purpose. Exactly. So but I mean, if, if last day of the RNC, it has to be treated kind of differently because it was a distinctly different vibe from the first three, which was just like this parade of basically no names. There were not yeah. a lot of celebrity, even like within. There wasn't a lot of like just right wing royalty in general. You know, it was lower tier kind of psychos. <laughs> you know, the, no. the abortion lady was wild, um, but in general, it was it was a lot. They deliberately tried to do outreach to disaffected Democratic voters. Especially yeah. voters of color, yeah. Um, um, in the most insulting way possible. In the most insulting way, uh, the most cynical way possible, of course. Um, but yeah, there, there was. It, I was just expecting just a maelstrom of craziness and and just like wild-eyed, typical right-wing fringe bullshit. But yeah. it was a pretty, for the most part, a pretty um, a disciplined message at disaffected Democratic voters. Yeah, boom. Inter- yeah, interspersed I mean, but, with these like saccharine fucking kitsch Trump spots, right? Um, well, I mean, but the there's no su- there's no sizzle there's no stake to that sizzle. Like it's no, it's <laughs> a good target, yeah. but it's it's literally it's like they heard people like Kanye or whoever, or even like I don't want to. They they basically appropriate the the message. Of of legit disaffected uh, mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. and then they just they just go with that one part of like, well, what have you, you know, what have you done for me, you know, ever, not even fucking lately, but what you know, what are we getting out of this? And they and they attack from there. Um, mm-hmm. So this, I mean, we should just we can talk around this forever. I just kind of want to part about <laughs> go for this. it. Uh, <laughs> There's honestly well, no, not much like, to say about the RNC other than that. I mean, it was at the end of the day yeah. pretty boring. So, and so this this comes down to why representation is important and understanding of of, of other people. Um, and and they kind of did a, a in a way a service by being so patently uh, fucking racist and fucking basic on this bullshit. And so the reason why I wanted to talk about it was specifically about uh, Kimberly uh, Guilfoyle. So for for those of you who don't know who she is, she's a Fox News personality who she's no longer on the Fox News uh, uh, as a personality. She's now paid 
by the American people to be Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend. <laughs> that is very... Or if I don't know. She might be getting paid out of the campaign. I don't know if she's getting paid out of the White House or through the campaign. They... The whole the Trump family all collects. Uh, it's the same shit, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, salaries from uh, from the White House or from his campaign from the PPP. And if it's <laughs> if it's from the campaign, by the way, that all you dickheads who vote for Trump and give money to his campaign, uh, he's robbing you. He's not even using all of the money. Like he, it it really is a a a siphoning scheme. It's a mm-hmm. fraud. You know, I thought billionaires didn't have to do stuff like that. Which but, makes me think of the fact that we didn't even talk about Bannon, but maybe we should do that some other time. That, we can do that But some speaking other time. of just um, like, you know, scams that are just designed to rip off the roof. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only did Mexico not uh, pay for it, it didn't get built. <laughs> you gave the money for it and they did it to buy yachts. yachts yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, Kimberly Guilfoyle. We have to start is, to make like these these German four hour podcasts. You know, that's I know it's insane. that's what we have to do. But sorry, I'm, I'm cutting you off for the second yeah, time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kimberly Guilfoyle is Donald Trump Jr.'s girlfriend. She's she rose to most prominence being on uh, the Fox News as a as an op ed person, um, and 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 this gets to the point. She's half puerto rican and half irish all and crazy so, all crazy <laughs> but i mean she first came into national attention when she was married to gavin newsom when he was the mayor of san francisco mm-hmm. that said she was a, she she is an attorney vanity fair oh, called went, them the nude kennedys i think yeah they were trying to make that happen <laughs> that, get get a get a handsome democrat who's not who just turned 30 and all of a sudden they're, you know, a Kennedy. You know, does, that, does that mean I'm a new Kennedy? <laughs> giving yourself a lot of credit there, G. First of all, you're not a Democrat. Uh, but, but also, uh, so she, she rose to prominence. Uh, and, and by the way, I, I say this because she was married to Gavin Newsom, who, whatever you want to say about him, was definitely the most activist uh, um left-leaning fucking politician at the time he was the mayor of san francisco mm-hmm. like he pushed uh a, a lot of and, and i would say like he probably did his best work then <laughs> certainly not currently <laughs> right but um you know he's the first guy to really make uh you know marriage equality a real thing in this country mm-hmm. that people have talked about it um my whole life and he's the first uh politician to actually do something about it um that said, so she was married to him, they broke up, uh, and then she became a Fox News personality. And in that weird, <laughs> like, let's hire a, a a woman minority liberal. But like all things, money corrupts. Um and, and she was probably always some level of trash or opportunist. Um and I'm not saying that because she's a woman or a minority, I'm saying Anybody who goes to work for Fox News is a fucking trash opportunist at heart. And also what, uh, what Sam Cedar always says, which is true, is that it's so much easier to be a right winger than it is to, yes. to be like a, a smart person, even just like a liberal, you know. It's, yeah, because all you have to do is point to the flag. Yeah, it's, it's, it's so much easier to do what they do. Yeah. Um, so, so then. I collect a much bigger check as well. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, if you're going to be a cheer cheerleader, get the the people who have a simple message. Mm-hmm. Um. So, Kimberly Guilfoyle, um, like most of those people who were run out there in an appeal to democratic disaffected democratic voters or minorities, was put out there as a prop. For being, she's you know because she's in a, a committed relationship with the president's son, uh, and it, you know it's the most base appeal to like. It's the same. She's the equivalent of Jared Kushner in the sense that's like <laughs> Trump doesn't hate Jews. Ivanka is married to a Jew, right? And it's like Trump doesn't hate Puerto Ricans, even though he has shit on them and literally tried to sell the island, <laughs> their native land. Uh, he doesn't care, you know. He's he doesn't hate them. Don Jr.'s girlfriend is one, and she loves us. And would she ever go against her people? Why would she? You know, and it's just so like that's just the baseline why she was even out there. So which is completely fucked up. Um, never getting, never mind getting to the 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 literal cocaine. <laughs> Like induced mania of her actual speech. The speech in itself, if 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 any of the listeners have not seen it, I, I would I would highly recommend to just seek it out on YouTube because it's one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen before. Because she speaks in an, in this empty auditorium that they use for every single speaker, which was empty again. Yeah, uh, no one was there. But she speaks as if she's in front of a huge crowd, and clearly the the speech was written for a crowd, you know. And yeah. but she she addresses this empty room as if she was, you know, in in a filled fucking stadium, and and yells and screams like that. That was <laughs> that was that was uh, the equivalent of like fifteen Howard Dean yes, <laughs> like just uh, bizarre, but, bizarre. So so. But the thing about it that that's even crazier is that, and and I have to say, a lot of libs got this wrong, really, really bad too. Like there were no good takes on a part of her speech where she references. See, she played a very a, a very slick game. She she both she got to 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 abuse being of Puerto Rican descent really really hard while also undercutting puerto rico's actual status legal status Mm -hmm. in this country all in one fell swoop while also like because here's what's super duplicitous about it right her name is guilfoyle her dad is white her dad is an actual immigrant from ireland he's not like an irish guy who grew up here he's actually came here from ireland got naturalized and met her mom, who was an American citizen, mm-hmm. right? So she did this duplicitous, and everybody's like, oh, she's stupid. She got it wrong. Because, like, in framing it, she's like, and my dad, also an immigrant. And and it got to play on this level of, like, after she talked about her Puerto Rican mother, as, like, the libs in their stupid fucking takes <laughs> were like, doesn't she know that Puerto Rico's part of America? Which is and, and I'm going to get to that in a second because, like, there's a whole fucking thing. Yes, she knows. Yes, she knows. And what she's doing is getting you guys to make stupid attacks on her about this. Because in the context of also an immigrant, you know what I mean? 
she's uh, she's using the 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 otherized part of her background right and and using the immigrant like the the easy okay irish people had it bad here in the 1800s right yeah in 1950, <laughs> Irish immigrants did not have it fucking bad here. Right. Okay. Um, but she gets to use this, like, I'm going to use this baseline of this otherized uh, part of my life uh, to, to kind of shield the racism I'm going to fucking put out yeah. there and endorse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By talking about my father's immigrant experience coming here with nothing and, and building something. Right. Um, so like and yes, she knew what she was doing. And yes, she knows that Puerto, uh, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. And yes, she knows that uh, Puerto Ricans are Americans. So anybody who who gave her like an attack with just the baseline, isn't she stupid? No, you're fucking stupid for saying that shit. Because what you don't want to own, if you're talking about what well, Puerto Ricans are Americans. It's that same shit that, like, you guys don't want to recognize that Puerto Ricans have no self-determination in this country. Mm -hmm. All right. And I'm not talking about me as a Puerto Rican, uh, uh, as a as an American of Puerto Rican descent. And and you don't get to take away the fact that in many cases, Puerto Rican, the Puerto Rican experience as an ethnic group when they get to the mainland is no different than some any, anyone else from Latin America right? Yeah. or from Africa. When they move here, they are treated yeah. like immigrants. Yeah. Yeah. The cops that pulled me over in Southern California don't know I'm Puerto Rican. They think I might be a Mexican. Yeah. They think I might be here illegally. Right. Right. I don't have that problem in New York because there are a lot more Puerto Ricans there. All right. Uh, but in certain parts of the country, I actually have to worry more. Yeah. You know, they, I don't have a stamp that says Puerto Rican. <laughs> All right. On my fucking forehead. Um, so the libs like and to it do wouldn't this matter Puerto Ricans. Are, huh? <laughs> it wouldn't matter even if you did. Well, it wouldn't matter. No, 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 they'd fuck me up anyway. But but no, 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 no. But they're all just saying, well, they're they're talking like American citizenship citizenship is the be all and end all. Uh, as a shield yeah, against yeah, yeah, yeah. racism yeah. and fucking otherization yeah. when it's anything but. Yeah. Uh, and and then let's get to the point that Puerto Rico is a fucking colony. Mm -hmm. All right. And these people want to talk about Puerto Rico as a as a, 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 a like for statehood because they think that they're going to get uh, two Senate seats, you know, which is racist in and of itself, ignorant at best, uh, because. There are plenty of conservative fucking Puerto Ricans on the island of Puerto Rico. Oh, you're God, basing yeah. you're basing your thoughts on how the island of Puerto Rico will vote based on the Puerto Rican you know from the Bronx or from fucking uh, Chicago. It's, you're not basing it on anything you know about Puerto Rico other than the fact that you know that Puerto Ricans on the mainland mostly live in cities and vote Democrat. But this is which is the same shit. Or I, I need to finish this. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Which is the same shit that they do to the black vote. Yeah, th uh, that's what I was going to say. It's the same shit that they do to the black vote. They're doing. They're like, we need to make you know, like, 
DC is a little different for them. Like it, it plays more into their narrative simply because DC's a city that they want to turn into a state. So the demographic uh, the the demographic shift isn't uh, that different. But it's even crazier because like none of these people actually go to Puerto Rico for anything. They're just like, oh, you know, J Lo is from the Bronx and she's poor, always talking about how she's Puerto Rican. So Puerto Ricans are going to elect Democrats. Like that's that's their reference point. But it's the same thing also just in general with the Latino vote, because, again, oh, yeah. I mean, there's no obviously there's no monolith here. But I mean, by and large, um, especially like first generation immigrants, they come from places that are very religious. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess they're Catholic, so that's already a strike against them, <laughs> I guess. But mm. still, I mean, very, yeah. very religious and um, socially conservative. They're not like knocking at the door of every college uh, demanding uh, gender and neutral bathrooms. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like if the if the Demo- if the Republican Party wasn't so racist, they could stitch up an incredibly diverse Absolutely. coalition of votes. It's just that they are so racist uh, and so also unhinged. I mean, you know, like a, in their like racism, a, yes. And also like, in their approach to everything, you know, like they're also yep. unhinged just in their like so-called conservative values, like, you know, the, the mm-hmm. anti-gay stuff and all of that. If they were not as racist and saner in the way that they present conservative politics, they could stitch up a much larger part of the population than just like those crazy racist white people that they have right now. Absolutely. I, I got and I got a newsflash for all you fucking lib uh you know, moderate center fucking Democrat lib assholes and all like particularly the politicians, but also um, you celebrities who who like, oh, my, fr- you know, my Puerto Rican friend is J-Lo or my Puerto Rican friend is. <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I love AOC. You know yeah. what? AOC is always telling you that she's from the Bronx. She's never telling you she's Puerto- yeah. she says she's of Puerto Rican descent. Here's the truth. The people who live on the island, there's as much people, like, I'm going to hit you with a fucking truth bomb. The people who live on the island, all right, who are in politics, are much more like Marco Rubio and Ted Cruz Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. than they are like AOC. And and very specifically, let me me say this, because, because Puerto Rico stayed a part of the United States, they, Puerto Rico and Cuba had the same status. When they came over from Spain, they were literally the spoils of war from the Spanish-American War, uh, or the 1898. We let Cuba do its thing by installing a dictator, and one dictator that we liked was replaced with another. In Cuba, we kept Puerto Rico. All of the fucking people that came, that fled Cuba when Castro came to power, are, are all the the ethnically uh, uh, desirable to American uh, standards, uh, uh, people with money and white. Mm -hmm. And that's where you get all of these Cubans in South Florida who are Republicans, Mm -hmm. who are Republican politicians. Those people never had a reason to leave Puerto Rico. They're all still there. And their kids became the kids who became the politicians of today. So you're in for a big fucking surprise if you think Puerto Rico automatically means two Democrats. Absolutely. Well, and and we're not a monolith, much like the African-American yeah, yeah, community. We're not yeah. a fucking monolith. All right. And start treating us with some fucking respect. 
That was actually, now that you mentioned the the arch-conservative Cuban community in Florida, they -hmm. brought out one of those fucking loons, (laughs) you know, and he, like, literally started crying because of, like, all the freedom that America awarded him as opposed to Cuba. (laughs) Well, the the whole, the whole, uh, you know, Goya thing is, like, the Inouye family, or I can't even pronounce his fucking name, but the the guys, the family that owns uh, Goya, uh, that guy, he grew up in Puerto Rico, but his father was from Spain. So like they're always like trying to make weird distinctions. That's what it's like there. Like in Puerto Rico, it's like the mm-hmm. the, the the people with money are still going to be the people who are getting the people elected, and they're going to be the people that support people like Donald Trump. Of course. Um, and then just also. Ted Cruz, my grandparents lived on Goya beans. Uh, Goya was not on sale in Cuba ever. You know what I mean? It like also my didn't parents, exist my grand- at the time of it his didn't grandparents. Exist, his grandparents. Like, get, like, get the fuck out of here, you panderous loser fucking cuck motherfucker. Let's play a clip of Trump calling your fucking dad a murderer and your, and your wife a fucking dog again, you stupid fuckface. Yeah, so I just want to say, like, we're not a monolith. And, and the problem is, Republicans like to find the the the, the contrarian and, mono, and minorities that basically get to co- co-sign on their bullshit and on their fucking uh, oppressive tactics. And we, or not we, the fucking Democrats like to uh, um, treat everybody as some fucking monolith uh, to be... Uh, equally exploited so basically the republicans exploit individuals of a group and the democrats exploit the group to meet right. their ends right right um, and the republicans also uh exploit the individuals of the group in order to point out the, the hypocrisy inherent and in the way that the democrats treat that group yeah e- it's very e- easy exactly. for them to do that it's very yeah. easy for them to do the, that the democrats make it easy for them to do that yeah. which is crazy because in general, as as offensive as what the Democrats do can be, is and can be, it's generally directed in a in a more positive, yeah, like it, it, it's it's geared towards a more positive direction. It, it, it's just clumsy. Whereas the Republican end of it is fucking evil because they're like, oh, look at this clumsy shit. I can make it look stupid. Yeah. In no in no time. So, yeah, I think that 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 does that does it for a grand unifying theory of both conventions. I feel like I think we're good. <laughs> I think we're good. They were both trash. Is uh, yeah our expert oh, yeah. opinion. <laughs> All right, let's leave it at that. Okay, this has been episode twenty three, Dilettante Central Podcast. Uh, we're on social media and all plots, uh, podcasting platforms, uh, Twitter at Dilettante CP on Instagram at Dilettante Central. Dilettante is spelled D-I-L-E-T-T-A-N-T-E. Uh, we out. Peace. Peace.